I see what you're doing. You're trying to get me to do something razzle-dazzle with that sword. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not getting drawn into this mess. And there's an army of you. It's only one of me. I haven't had a fight for years. And I'll talk. I'm happy to talk. But there is no way that I am fighting. Welcome to episode 16 of the Film Coterie for the week of May the 11th, 2017. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And on this week's episode, we have News and Notes, Blade Runner, Hellboy, Radiohead, and Judge Dredd will all make an appearance. Then, of course, the gang will review our Thursday night movie. The great question is, will Guy Ritchie take us to his version of Camelot? And can he draw the sword from the stone? After that summer movie derby, where we pick what we think will be the top movies of the year, for the summer that is, Mother's Day movie picks, and then you're going to want to stick around for movie homework, because we've got Freaks, The Devil, and Jugface all making an appearance. The House of the Devil. Okay, The House of the Devil. <laughs> this is the Film Coterie. How you doing, guys? Good, man. Good. Uh, did you happen to see the Blade Runner trailer? I did. Yeah, this this hits the button in my brain. The monkey's going crazy. Uh, it really captures the look with the fog and the smog and the, the spinners flying through the city. And what about that giant Atari logo? I love that they kept that aesthetic. I, I'm getting pretty stoked about the movie. Yeah, it's it, it, it just looks like it, that is the, the universe. That's the world. That's the city. It's the same place, you know. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. And I give full props to the studio and Denis that nothing is given away in this trailer. It makes me happy. It just gives you a sense of the flavor, the feel, the movie. doesn't reveal any major story beats, but there's such an important nugget in here for fans. If you're a fan of Blade Runner, you know there's, there's theories about Harrison Ford's character. I'm here to ask you some questions. And that line, oh, yes. <laughs> is there going to be a Voight comp test? Well, that's Harrison what I was wondering. Ford? Yeah, let's do speculation. You know, yeah. Let's get into it a little bit. They're certainly teasing it. Go ahead, Matt. I want to hear your questions. What questions? That's the line. You, that's the line. Oh, I, I thought you, I thought you watched the trailer. <laughs> I thought you said you had questions about the trailer. No, no. sorry, I was glancing no. over the show notes. No, Gosling's character asked Harrison Ford if you can ask him some questions. And there's only one reason Blade Runners ask questions. Heck yeah, man. Oh yeah. Now, for people that are not familiar with Blade Runner, you do have to turn your brain off a little bit. Because in this universe, there's replicants, and for some reason... We don't give them, like, blue skin. They're not blue skin. They don't look identical. They're unique. Yeah. They don't have a barcode on them. I have no idea, and it makes no sense. There's no plausible explanation for why a company would make individuals that are pretty much undetectable in a human population. But that's the only way the movie works, so you, you just have to swallow that and accept it for what it is. Sure. And that's what makes it fun of the oh, Blade yeah. Runners hunting Absolutely. down the, the intruders. Uh, we'll go to bad news. Good news, Blade Runner. Bad news. Kind of bad news. 
Hellboy is continuing, but without Del Toro and without Ron Perlman. We're not getting the conclusion to their trilogy. That's a bummer. I, okay, I'd like to see the end of the trilogy. I'd like to see Del Toro do it. But really, to get rid of Ron Perlman, like, like that's, that hurts me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we agree on this point, the three of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I, Ron Perlman not in this movie. And not Del Toro finishing his story. He was building very, towards a specific finish. And we're not going to get it. I would have felt better if we could somehow got the third movie and then reboot Hellboy. I'm fine with it. We're doing it with Batman. So they're going to reboot the whole thing and yeah. start from. And they're making it dark, gritty, and R, which I don't. I don't think that's what Hellboy necessarily calls for. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it's it's very. I mean, it's dark, but it's not like heavy no, but, metal but, dark. No, but it's it's a little bit. You know, Hellboy's more like a PG thirteen teenager. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, it's it's almost you're kind of smiling while you're watching the violence kind of thing. You know, I don't want my Hellboy to be gritty and realistic and you know don't make it into a horror flick i mean just i'm just saying you know i'm surprised the studio is going r with it pg-13 is a safer bet bigger audience yeah but um as bad as it is and like i'm i'm legitimately bummed it looks like perlman and del toro were, were just blindsided they didn't know the announcement was coming they were sharing some love with each okay. other on twitter okay i'm just gonna go ahead and say it all right I'm going to say that in 10 years, we're going to look back on the, this year and the next couple of years, and we're going to call it the Deadpool effect, where we got a bunch of movies that were not nearly as good as they could have been or lost the flavor because everybody went R and dark and you know gritty. Deadpool made all this money. Now we all have to make rated R Yeah, but movies. Deadpool wasn't dark. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like you had to go dark and gritty. Deadpool wasn't dark and gritty. It just had foul language and some like real blood. And, and that's it. And it's important to note, too, that is Deadpool. They didn't change it to make it right, R. Exactly. Yeah. That's, what I'm, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Deadpool is just what it is. Yeah. But now everybody said, oh, you can make a comic book movie that's rated R, and it will make money. So now we all have to think we have to do, you know, I don't know. I, I just think we're going to And it's important to note, Marvel's come out, because they've asked them to. And this is Marvel. It's not Fox Marvel with X-Men and other stuff. But Marvel, Marvel, so they're not going dark and gritty and R. They're, they're sticking to what they're doing and what's working so well. Well, they can do it. I mean, they can go dark and gritty, but they have like Netflix, right? Yeah. Like Daredevil or something. I mean, they yeah. have this platform. Yeah, that they can absolutely are. Yeah, in a different format, and I think they've done that. They can keep the movies PG thirteen, rake in the cash, have movies uh, okay. that have broader appeal. So maybe I'm just talking out of my head here, but so I, I, I'm not a I'm not I didn't do the comic books with Hellboy. Are the are the, if you just picked one up, are they M? You know, are they are they are they are they, are they adult? Or are they? There's violence. I mean, it's it's demons and swords. It's kind of cartoony violence. It's nothing realistic, but and that's kind of that's kind of what I'd always thought. You know, yeah. I I don't think the comics are necessarily hard R. But now let me give some good news. David Harbor is going to be playing Hellboy. He's the sheriff on Stranger Things. Um, I think he's oh, a good yeah. pick. I mean, I'm I'm happy with the pick. And Neil Marshall's directing. He's done a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes. He did uh, Dog Soldiers. Descent. He's directed good movies, so I'm not bummed about the pick. But I think about they went about it the wrong way, and in a perfect world, we would have concluded the Del Toro trilogy, and then rebooted Hellboy. Yeah, man, <sighs> I'm bummed. Okay, uh, Suspiria is getting a U.S. remake, and I think I'm the only host that's seen this movie. Right, Italian Dario Argento. I'll be honest. I have. 
seen pieces okay. of Suspirio. I have not seen the whole thing. This is kind of exciting news for me because Suspiria is a movie that the soundtrack is as important to it as like Jaws and Raiders. Yep. I mean, it makes the movie, you hear the sound, you know it's Suspiria. So for the U.S. remake, it's Radiohead. It's Tom York of Radiohead handling the score. So I'm curious to see what he does. I imagine it's got such a a hook, a unique hook to the music. It's going to be in there. But I'm kind of excited to see. And I don't know if this American version takes place in modern days or still set in the 70s. I don't know. But I think it comes out. It's done shooting. So I think we're just waiting for a release date. Okay. And good news again, Judge Dredd is coming back, not in theaters, but as a TV show. Okay. We knew we weren't going to get another Dredd entry. The studio just wasn't putting the money for it, but at least we're getting something. And it's from the producers of the Dredd movie that came out three or four years ago. See, now this, I will make the comment against what Roger said. I don't know if this is hitting networks or, you know, FX or AMC or whatever, these are some I wouldn't mind seeing on Amazon or Netflix no, and take yeah. it a little darker, <laughs> but that's just me. But no, Dread, I get, yeah, yeah. I totally, that should be on Netflix. It should be uh, TVM. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, that violence, that violence kind of has to be there. Yeah. Because you're talking about an individual who is judge, jury, executioner. And we're probably getting someone than Carl Urban. I don't think he's going to commit to a TV show. No, but, but if they can get him, goodness gracious, I would, you know. My DVR would be set now. This is a good universe for long-form storytelling. I'm excited to be able to dig into a whole season of Dread. That does get me excited. So, Oh, yeah. Serials every week. I mean, every week you could do an episode. It's, or it's, binge-worthy. It's, yeah, it's, it's the perfect setup for a season, a TV series. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I've got for our news and notes. All right. When we come back, Thursday night review of King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. You're listening to The Film Coterie. Welcome back to the Film Coterie, and it's time for our review of our Thursday night movie. Uh, Some oddities occurred this week. Uh, Roger was unable to attend the movie, and I have recently found out that I I teach at a university, and one of my classes is now scheduled for Thursday night, so I will not be able to attend the entire summer. Which might mean a little shift to the podcast. We don't know yet. Uh, Yeah, we've kind of kicked around an idea of of doing something else with my watching. Adam's always down to watch something, so we may do always. something. Yeah, so we may we may do something, start up a new segment. Still have the Thursday night segment, uh, but maybe do some additional stuff so I can get some more movies in. Um, but anyway, tonight's movie was uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. And the only one of us that got to attend was Adam, so it may be putting Adam on the hot seat. Uh, so I'll start out with a question, Adam. How big were the elephants? First, let me say it's awfully convenient. You two got to miss this movie. Well, mine wasn't intentional. 
<laughs> Mine wasn't either. I actually, I actually, uh-huh. I actually was. Pl- I actually woke up this morning intending to go, and thank God I had not bought my tickets already. And then all of a sudden, my calendar comes up and it says spring concert at the high school, and I'm like, oh crap. I told Adam he needed to uh-huh. check with the school to make sure that that concert was actually going on. Like I said, awfully convenient yeah. that I was the only one that saw this movie. Uh, I knew tonight. I should have shot pictures or video of the concert. <laughs> I have like 25 witnesses from my class that I was there and taught for three hours. <laughs> I will be checking alibis. Oh, so man. the elephants, you see them in the trailer. They are bigger than the new Kong. I mean, Camelot's on a hill, and I will no get, way. I will get to this. This is in the opening, and Camelot is already constructed. Oh, so is it a silly place? It's a very silly <laughs> place. Camelot is on a hill, and the elephants are taller than everything, and they're just unstoppable. And let me just get wait, this. Wait, wait, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. A hill, a castle on top of this hill, right? Yes. And the elephants down on the plain are taller than both. When they're walking up, there's a giant bridge you see going into Camelot. Oh, my gosh. And they, they come about halfway up to the elephant's shoulder. Was there any explanation as to where they came from? No. Are they magic? Are yes. they magic elephants? They are magic. Oh, they were magically created. Mm, they're magically summoned. Magically summoned from giant elephant land. Because, let me get this out of the way. Oh, this movie, if you like King Arthur, has very little to do with any of the mythos of King Arthur. This feels like... Well, I got that from the trailer. Oh, it's even worse. Oh. I mean, this is just blatant disregard. This feels like a third grader cribbing his book report by using Wikipedia and other sources and just confusing it as he's writing it down. Okay, now that ticks me off. I mean... I don't care if you give us a different interpretation no, or this is, you have a different thought, but you have to keep the core elements of the story. This is willful disregard. Okay. <clears throat> Was there a Lancelot? No. Was there a Merlin? Yes. A Guinevere? No. Now, wait. Now, let me get this started. Was there a round table? I'll say five minutes in, you know they don't care about the story because uh-huh. the person assaulting Camelot, right. ruled by Uther Pendragon. Uh-huh was none other than Mordred, who would be King Arthur's future son, but this is not. It's just a guy named Mordred. It has nothing to do with King Arthur. They could have named this guy the bad guy or give him another generic <laughs> the name. The bad guy. I mean, there's, it's Mordred, named Mordred as a mage, attacking a already built Camelot. That, yeah. I mean, it's the story's all over the place. <clears throat> okay. There's no Lancelot, but there is Goose Fat Bill. And Kung Fu. Kung Fu? No, no. Did you just say Goose Fat Bill? There's Goose Fat Bill and Kung Fu George. And Mike. Mike. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on. (laughs) I'm not kidding. He's right. You say Mike? (laughs) Not Michael or Sir Michael or Sir Thomas Michael. Goose Fat Bill and Mike. And Mike. That's insane. <laughs> it is. This is insane because only thing missing is rap music, and we got this thing covered. The previous. Don't give this away. This is a gangster movie. Yep. I'm not kidding. You're looking at me. It's like Snatch. He's running around with the crew. He calls him the lads or the crew, and he's got Goose Fat Bill, Kung Fu George, Boy Blue, and Mike. 
<laughs> I wish. I wish I was making okay. this up because you okay. guys hadn't seen okay. the movie. Okay, okay. So let's just tear the veil off here. We're not going to do spoilers, not th- that it really matters. And let's pretend this has nothing to do with King Arthur and Camelot. Nothing. It's just a medieval fantasy story. If you remove all the King Arthur, how was it just as a story in a movie? It's nonsense. It's... <laughs> when i say it's a gangster movie because he's got a crew and he runs a brothel and he's protecting the prostitutes and he's shaking vikings down for money oh who is this arthur all right that's nonsense and they do a lot of the snatch style filmmaking where he's telling a story and it's cutting back and all the characters are jumping in and their mouths are moving you hear their voice from a different point there's shakedowns, there's kind of con games going on. He's he's a pimp, literally. Um, and then it's like, oh, no, wait, we're a King Arthur movie, so make Excalibur appear. And then it changes gears, and it's King Arthur for a little bit. He gets the sword, and then it turns into Assassin's Creed. Like the game or the movies? Because I didn't see the movie. Both. I mean, oh, there's this... Gosh. There's this overly long assassination attempt where they're doing parkour throughout the city. Parkour! And it's a lot of bad camera work in HD. Uh, the GoPro kind of running through the street you've seen in the preview. Oh, I so cannot watch, wait to go on a Tuesday night to see this movie. Oh, I, <laughs> when it's only $5. <laughs> I talked to the guys after. I saw it with two other guys, not you guys, obviously. But... There's just so much it doesn't make any sense, and I don't know if it was left on the cutting room floor. The movie's already too long, but they do this whole really boring, reluctant hero plot. He keeps throwing away Excalibur, and it's boring to you as the viewer because you know, obviously, he's not going to walk away, but this whole middle part of the movie where he doesn't want to be the hero stretches 40 minutes. What? Yeah, and it's completely ineffective. You don't buy any of it. The mages, as far as I can tell... Only control animals. That's their magic. They It turns into Beastmaster. You said the mages. Yep. How many magicians do we have? You see Mordred in the beginning. Okay. And then a character called the mage. That's right. not Merlin. I thought you said Merlin was in this, though. He's mentioned. Hold on. Mentioned or in the movie? Mentioned. But what, did, what did they say about Merlin? Merlin's a dude. <laughs> He's he's been around in the past. He Everyone else knows him as Mike. He gave it to the Excalibur to the Lady in the Lake, and that's I mean they mentioned him, but that's why I said the bad guy could be called the bad guy because we got the mage running around with Mike. Okay, okay, and Karate George. So you're saying we've got Snatch, Assassin's Creed, Beastmaster, and a gangster film. Am I missing anything? And then it turns into Dark Souls, the video oh, game. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's the logical place where you should go. Because yeah, why not? So, so yeah, it's the final battle's a joke. They've run out of money for CG, I think, at some point, because there's a courtyard battle that's all speed ramped, and it looks worse than, like, Matrix 2, lots of Agent Smith fight. Well, what was that that movie that just overdid speed ramping with, like, Mickey Rourke, and they were, like, fighting gods? Oh, yeah. I can't Immortals. Remember. Yes. Yeah. But this is bad speed wrapping, and they don't want to show you 
the face of, I mean, the guy, it's all shot from behind, so you can tell it's just a CG model going from guy to guy to killing him and dodging stuff. It just looks like a video game cutscene. And the ultimate villain in this movie is a flaming dude with a double scythe that just looks like a Dark Souls boss. They even teleport to this other area. That's oh, a big, so it's not Jude Law? I won't get in. I don't want to spoil it. I mean, if people out there want to see it, but I'll, okay. I won't okay. say if it is or isn't, okay. but the big bad is a dude that looks like he came from Dark Riders 3 or Dark Siders, whatever that game is, or Dark Souls. He's just this big muscular dude with a double scythe, and they're fighting in like a ring with water around him. They teleport to literally a boss battle. <laughs> I don't know whether to believe you or think you're making all this up. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally think you skipped the movie. You, Bob, and Chris sat around at the bar, had a couple beers. How and insane said, can we so make this? How, let's just tell them all this crazy stuff's in this movie. If you can believe that Kung Fu George and Mike are in this movie. Oh, that's... that. So it's all over the place tonally. The fight scenes that are not all CG are just a mess. It's all shaky cam. You can't tell what's going on. The story's butchered. It literally has nothing to do with King Arthur except Excalibur. So Excalibur obviously gives uh, Arthur powers beyond just like the ability not to die in battle when you have Excalibur. It gives him video game powers, speed That's ramping. D- ridiculous. And maybe power over tornadoes. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. Why not? There's some kind of tornado uh, power. A piece of magic metal makes you be able to control the wind. And like I said, the, if you know the lore, Uther was not a good guy. No, Uther was a SOB. And Merlin was disappointed in him. Yes. So, But in this movie, Uther's a good and noble king. And Arthur's born to that, and then... Well, not according to the trailers. He loves it when they stand and worship him. That's not Uther. It's not Uther. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's Vortigan, his uncle. Yeah. I don't know if Vortigan's even in the Arthur legend at all. I I mean, let's be honest. There are many different legends of Arthur. None of them have magic elephants and things like that. But we all know that the movie Excalibur is the standard... By which all other movies should it's, be measured. I mean, it's the best. It's the best one by far. There's no Morgana. I mean, we get Mordred, but it's not really Mordred. They just stole the name. And, oh, so Uther is the good noble king. And I think what drew people to the Arthur legend back in the day is that Arthur was a 16-year-old page with no official lineage. Right. He was born a bastard. And he becomes king. He's yep. the everyman king, the boy king. Yeah. yeah, and then he forms an, a circle of knights that are all equal. They sit at the round table, so they had a lot of themes that applied to. Yeah, I've seen that before. It's called the Sword and the Stone. Yeah, but I mean, it, it themes that applied to people way back when when the stories were being told. In this one, Arthur's not a boy; he's played by Charlie Hunnam, a thirty-seven-year-old pimp in this movie that is going to become king. He's keeping his pimp hands strong. Well, he does. He does not. He looks after the ladies. So literally, when they're abused by Vikings. He gets the Vikings to pay up more. That's what he does. Oh, yeah, because we all know Pimp with a heart of gold. I mean, that's what he is. He looks after the ladies. But, yeah, so it's a weird mashup that really doesn't work. Gangster movie, a little bit of King Arthur. There's a training montage, as you might expect. And then just a stupid finale. <laughs> really stupid <laughs> finale. Um Theater was empty. The three of us were in there with maybe 12 other people, and we were the first show. So we saw it at the 7. So it's going to have a bad weekend. This thing moved from March because of all the genre flicks that were coming out in March. 
and they put it on this weekend because they were just going up against Snatched. So counter-programming to that. And they try to set up a franchise. Oh, jeez. Because of really? course they do. They spent over $100 million on this thing. They're going to set up a franchise, and I don't think we'll have to worry about any sequels. All right. So, Adam, <laughs> would you recommend this movie? Walking out, we talked briefly on the way here. I was trying to think of comparables. Comps. Okay. So, movies that came to mind for me, not saying they're better or worse, were Warcraft, uh, Seventh Son, and The Great Wall. Great Wall. This, I'm trying to think where it fell. This is not the worst movie I've seen in theaters this year. I like this movie more than I liked Resident Evil or Chips or Table 19. But that's about it. I mean, it's on the bottom of the pile. It's better than Seventh Son. Now, Adam, just to give our listeners a frame of reference, tell them what movie number this was for you this year, King Arthur. Uh, this is the hundredth new movie, new to me that I've seen. So for 2017 So, so, so movies, you've seen a hundred movies and you named three movies that were worse than it. Oh, in theaters. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen, oh boy, I've seen some bad stuff online. Streaming and VOD, but theatrically released, I can quickly think of three worse that I didn't like. Um, it's not as good as Warcraft, and I didn't really care for Warcraft, but I'd much be, I'd be much happier if I threw that in at home compared to this, and I have wow. no desire to see it again. And you know, I mean, I detested Warcraft, but also coming from someone that played the game, and that's like, I have a problem when a movie's trying to stay true to a, a, an established story and goes far field, and that irritates me. Yeah. Um, this one, it doesn't sound like they're even trying that. I mean, here... It's better than Gods of Egypt, and it's better than... Whoa. Yep. All right. And it's better than... I said Seventh Son. Have you seen Seventh Son? I have seen... Yes. Yeah. And I'm not even a fan of the recent Hobbits. I didn't like that whole trilogy, but they're way, 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 way better than this. So those are the only cops I can think of. So no, I will be not, not be recommending this movie to anyone. There's much better stuff to see in theaters right now. All right. Uh, so that wraps it up, and uh, we'll take a quick break, break and be right back. All right, and welcome back, and... This coming Sunday is Mother's Day, and so we thought we would do a themed top five list. It's not really a top five list, but it's five movies you would recommend watching this weekend on Mother's Day. Does it have to be only five? You have more than that. Um, well, I was told five, but you know. I just made a list. Okay. Sorry. That's cool. That's fine. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And so I asked Adam, who kind of came up with this idea, I said, what are the parameters? And he said, no parameters. So, so why don't we start and I'll go first and then we'll just kind of go around and, and maybe explain how you approached, you know, your five, your however many movie recommendations for Mother's Day. I made five that you 
that you made. Yeah, I just thought it, you think Mother's Day weekend and what movies pop to your head. Yep. Okay. So for me, Mother's Day weekend, I think family. I think the whole my whole family's together. That's just me personally. I think a big meal, and then after the meal, we're going to kick, put on the TV. We're not going to go out to the movies because we've ate a big meal. We've hung out. and So as a family, what would we all five of us sit down and watch and enjoy together? And so my first movie is Notting Hill. And the reason I picked that is because my wife loves it. She's a mother of three teenagers, and uh, it's, her, it's in her top three, four movies uh, I laugh and chuckle just because of the flatmate that's in there who I think is hilarious. Um, and so that would be a movie that now that I have older teenagers, we would all sit down and enjoy on a Mother's Day you know, evening and right after we had our meal and stuff. So Notting Hill is my first one. That's Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts and rom-com from the, what is it, the 90s or 2000s, somewhere in there. I don't know when, but anyway, that's my first one. This will not shock anyone. But I have a horror bend to all my movies. Wow, what do you know? But first, <laughs> I just want to get out there that my mom is awesome. She is not... It's me that's weird. I'm the weird one in the family, so my mom's completely normal and awesome, and these movies do not remind me of her in any way. There's my <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> so, my first movie for Mother's Day weekend is Friday the 13th. Oh, very nice. Pam Voorhees is a mother that really cares about her child. She does. And if those camp counselors had just paid a little more attention, <laughs> just a little more attention, maybe hadn't wandered off and engaged in carnal activities, her son would still be alive. Yep. Yep. So, um, when I when I started doing this, I was like, what movies would I watch with my mom? And then I realized that my mom doesn't watch any movies that don't appear on the Hallmark Channel. Uh, so then I said, forget that nonsense. <laughs> and then I started thinking about my wife, um, and what I would watch with her because before we had a kid, we would go see the movies on a regular basis together. Haven't been able to in a long time. Um, so I kind of picked of, you know, what I would watch with her and what we would do. Um, so my first movie that I watch on mother's day animated movie, brave. Because you have that whole mama bear. Because I've seen after we've had a kid, how protective, you know, this mild manner woman can be now uber protective of her child. <laughs> and that's a good one because kids don't see that protection the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. My uh, next film that I had on the list is a family, it's an animated film that's a family movie and it's The Incredibles. And I like it because it's a family. It shows a mom in a non-stereotypical way and... Uh, our whole family just loves this movie. It's it's one, it's one of the few movies that the five of us can sit down and watch and enjoy. So mine's The Incredibles. My next movie is Psycho. No one loved his mom more than Norman Bates. I almost put that on my list. It was pretty close. And it's interesting. In the movie Psycho, there's a TV series. It's good. But we get to know Norma in the TV series. We never get to know her in the movie. She's just a skeleton in a chair. Spoiler alert, but Norman really loves his mama. My next one would be a movie me and my wife saw together. I think we saw it in a theater. Uh, and we both really liked it. It's kind of about motherhood, kind of not, kind of is. Um, but that would be Juno. If you've never yeah. seen it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that's so, totally fits the theme. Yep. A mom-to-be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great pick. 
My next one is going to seem very odd as a pick, but I... Not as odd as my next <laughs> well, one. no, no, no. It's not nearly as odd as yours, Adam. <laughs> Mine are much more mainstream. But anyway, I, the first thing I asked was, what was the last movie that my whole family sat down and watched together? And it's Hacksaw Ridge. And, and and I put right, fair enough. I did not see Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> entering this list. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's what's hilarious. They all loved it. My whole family, my wife included, who doesn't do violence or anything, she loved Hacksaw Ridge because one, she's a sucker for a period piece. She loves World War II flicks. She loves a good, you know, feel good hero overcoming kind of movie. And uh, it just really resonated with our whole family. They liked the themes that he held. This Here's a character that holds to his faith, what he believes in, suffers great persecution, yet ends up being kind of a hero in a non-traditional way. And so that was the first movie that came to my mind after I because I said, what's the last movie that our whole family sat down and watched where we actually liked it? And it's Hacksaw Red. So I'm going to recommend it on Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> You didn't right. see that coming, did you? I did not see it coming. I feel like you stole my thunder because I thought mine, my pick right here is the most left field pick. Jaws 3. <laughs> Jaws 3? <laughs> Jaws 3. Why Jaws 3? Because in that one, Jaws is a mother. Oh. <laughs> and SeaWorld, SeaWorld kills her baby. So she comes oh, to yes. SeaWorld to extract revenge. Now, St- Straight out of a spaghetti western, huh? <laughs> it is. We've been promising this for a while, so I now have a surprise game that is triggered by Jaws for both of you. Oh, no. Get your pens ready. Oh, no. I'm going to ask how Jaws died in each of the four movies. Oh, I have no idea. And I'll give you options, and you need to write it down. Okay. And the winner is going to get a prize. (laughs) All right, all right. All right, okay, okay, here we go. One, two, Jaws, well, no, wait, no, no. Oh, yeah, you're good. Just write one, two, three, four. Okay, I got one, two, three, four. In the first Jaws, did the shark die from... Gunshot, impalement, explosion, poison or toxin, suffocation, electrocution, burning to death, getting crushed, or getting chopped up. Wow, that is that's a pretty big multiple choice. I wanted to give you options. I got it, man. Okay, I got mine. Jaws two. Now one of those is the actual yes. right answer. <laughs> one of these is the right answer. Okay. Same list. In Jaws two, did Jaws die from a gunshot, impalement, explosion, poison or toxin? Suffocation, electrocution, burning to death, getting crushed, or getting chopped up. Okay. All right. I don't even know if I've seen Jaws 2. I haven't seen 2, 3, or 4. Yeah, I've only seen one, I think. <laughs> In right. part 3, same list. How does the shark die? Gunshot, impalement, explosion, poison or toxin, suffocation, electrocution, burning to death, getting crushed, or getting chopped up. They're writing intently. All, all right. right, all right, all right. All right. And last four, Jaws the Revenge. This is the one where Jaws roars like a shark when he pops out of the water. Roars like a, you mean like a lion? Yes, like a lion. Or, right. No, it, no, like a shark. Like a, I didn't know, I didn't know they yeah. had vocal cords. He roared like a shark. Oh. If a shark could roar. Awesome. Was Jaws killed by a gunshot, impalement, explosion, poison or toxin, suffocation, electrocution, burning to death, getting crushed, or getting chopped up? All right, I'm good. Okay, I'm good, too. All right. The first one, what did you guys write for Jaws 1? 
Go ahead. It's explosion, right? I put explosion. Correct. The tank into the mouth with a yes. gunshot. Yes. They I have seen Jaws. Yes. I know this. Give yourselves a check mark for the first one. <laughs> okay. The the rest of them, I think, are guesses. Part two. How does a shark go down? I put impalement. That's what I put because <laughs> I wanted it to be true. <laughs> He's electrocuted. They go. Oh, oh, no. That means my other I missed, answer's I mean wrong. three. <laughs> <laughs> They get them to bite the uh, power line they pull up. Oh, yes. I have seen that one. I have seen it, too. Not you say that. Jaws 3, SeaWorld. How does the shark die? I put electrocution. Chopped up. Explosion. They blow them up. Oh, they go back to their barrel of old tricks. <laughs> There's a hand grenade left in his mouth. All right. What's the, the last one? Now, now, on this last one, I have heard it said that Jaws 4 is like the worst Jaws movie ever. It is terrible. <laughs> so, so, so I picked, just so you know, the most ludicrous way a shark could die in the ocean. I picked Fire. burn to death. <laughs> He's impaled. Oh, they hit oh. I put electrocution. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, so we both got one. <laughs> one out of four. <laughs> Do we have a tiebreaker? Oh, yeah, you didn't think that far ahead, did you? We no. didn't realize how bad we'd be with Jaws. Uh what I never. I obviously I've seen two because I remember biting the cable. Yep. But I I know for a fact I have not seen Jaws three or four. All right. Write down on a piece of paper how many movies of Jaws is Roy Scheider in? Chief Brody. Yeah. You're gonna run me out of Jaws facts pretty fast. All right. All right. I got a number. All right. I got a number. The correct answer is two. I, I put three. I put two. Nice. Right, Roger's the winner. Uh, that winner, was a guess, winner though. Yep. Hey. <laughs> Oh. So, Roger, we are introducing a new thing called the Bag of Shame. Oh, oh is he going to yes. put in? He will get a put in. Not tonight, but the Bag of Shame will be a new prize thing where the winner of these little contests that pop up every now and then will get to write down a name of a movie. Any movie. So, we triggered an event game, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm just trying to... How awesome is that? So, you'll get to put it in the bag. And then later on, for other punishments, a host may have to reach into the bag as we get more movies in there and pull a Bag of Shame title and have to watch it. Nice. We'll have the bag of shame at Days of the Dead, too, when we go out there. Okay, that triggered our, our, our event. We still have a couple movies left, right? Yes. All right. It's me. It's you. You're number three, right? Or your third movie? Uh, third movie. Yeah. I, I, these are not in any particular order. I didn't have like a one, two, three, four, five. Um, but uh, Babadook. I think that's, that's a, great, a great. I think choice. it's a great Mother's Day movie. That is a great choice. Yeah, you guys, a, you guys are so smart, man. Y'all picked mother-themed movies. Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> it was the last movie we all hey, saw. Hey, hey, no, I got to. You had a reason at least. Yes, it wasn't yes. just like I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> World War II biopic. All right, Roger, back to you. Uh, my number four movie is Beauty and the Beast, and just because the animated, uh, I'm gonna say the animated because my wife has not seen the new one, and I know that's one of her favorites. And we, the whole family, we own it, we enjoy it. It's kind of one of those feel good movies for us that we watch, and um, yeah, so that's that's my pick. Baba, yes, that's two for Baba Duke. Duke, 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 Duke. Duke. I have Baba Duke on my list. I love the relationship between the mom and the child in this movie and the child becoming the hero. It's a great so, movie. Yep, yes. it's on my list. Yep. yep. All right. So next for me would be Mother of the Year Award goes to Carrie. Oh. Yeah. I thought my list was going to be weird. And I got Hacksaw Ridge and you're going into the horror genre. I mean, because, I mean, okay. 
I am not a, a huge horror buff as you, Adam. That is, there is absolutely no question about that. However, unlike Roger, I do seriously enjoy horror movies. It's just... Um, now, now we, we, we discovered last week that I enjoy certain parts, certain kinds yes. of horror movies. Yeah, yes. I, I, like mo- I like most horror movies. Um, they were always a date night favorite when I was dating my wife. Um because she would watch them with me. My parents wouldn't. My my dad's not a big horror guy. My mom definitely is not. Uh, so the only time I would get to watch horror would be with, you know, my now wife. And, you know, she went through all like the Hellraisers with me <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, Carrie. Awesome. And that's not a mother of the year candidate for Carrie. No, I was being I was being sarcastic. Sure. She was a really bad mother. But it makes you appreciate your mom all the more when you juxtapose her with, you know, in with the mother in that movie. Yep, awesome. My last movie is the one I held in reserve um, until the end, and I I will take it to the bank that there is no way on this planet this movie is on either one of your lists. <laughs> well, well. I would put my house up, everything, <laughs> because it's an old classic film, and uh, of course, of course. And it's my wife's absolute favorite movie, uh, and it's Rare Breed, which is an old Jimmy Stewart and um, Maureen O'Hara movie, and uh, it's a, it's just a great story of a of a strong willed Irish woman coming to America, and uh, she's determined to bring her her cow here and take over the country, and so uh, it's a good western kind of a love story, and uh, my wife loves that movie. Uh, she laughs and chuckles, and there's some good humor in it as well. And our whole family, Rare Breed, was something we've watched even when our kids were really little. And as they grew up, they continued to enjoy and laugh at that movie. So, yeah, my movie, my number one, or I guess the one that stood out to me the most was the movie Rare Breed. Has your wife seen Brooklyn, the 2015 movie with no. Sears E. Ronan? No. She would really like it, about an Irish woman coming to New York. Yeah. That's a 2015 movie she should check out. All right, my last movie was the very first one I thought of, and it is Aliens. Because of Ripley right. and Newt. Okay. It's a good adoptive relationship, and you got Mama against Mama finale, Ripley versus the Queen to protect Newt. Oh, no, that and is one of the best last 20 minutes of any action movie ever. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with that. Because when I was thinking about the Aliens, for some reason that – the alien movie that escaped me, I was like, maybe Aliens 3, where she sacrifices herself to no, save her, because she's her. the mommy of the thing coming out. And then I was like, but that's not a good movie, so I can't, I'm not going to put that on there. Nope. Ripley and Newt. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. I, for some reason, it just, I missed. My next one Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Great, great. Robots choice. and moms. Come on. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, the, Roger. Do you, have, that was, I, I you guys yeah, have done five, yeah, right? Yeah, I just did five. So. I have honorable mentions. Okay, sure. go for it. Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> mm. Again, I really thought I would be the only one with the weird list, no, but I'm man. glad to see it on there. Yeah, and Good Night, Mommy. Really? Well, just you know, because it's a creepy movie. It is a creepy movie. Okay, that's going to wrap it up this Mother's Day weekend. Uh, if you, That's our suggestions of films that some of them had direct mother themes. Others were 
movies we would see with our mothers or our wives who are mothers. Uh, we were kind of all over the place, but you, you at least got 15 or so plus Hacksaw movies. Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, <laughs> baby. You never saw that one coming, did you? No, I did not. When we come back, it's time for Summer Movie Derby, the first annual Summer Movie Derby. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. <laughs> All right, we are back, and if you listened to us last week, we mentioned that we're going to do a summer box office derby. This is us predicting what we think the top 10 movies for the U.S. domestic box office are going to be this summer. Yep. So the host will punish the loser somehow. We'll come up with a prize. It will be brutal. It'll be brutal. We have listeners participating, too. We have about seven listeners in, and... The winner for the listeners will get to participate with us on a movie homework assignment. Nice. So if it all goes as planned, the winner will all coordinate with them. They'll pick movies for each of us, different movie, and then they'll pick a host to give them a movie, and then we'll call in and participate in one of our movie homework discussions. I love it. Okay. So to reveal our box office picks, we're going to do our bottom five first. So I'll start with Matt. What were your movie picks, 10 through 6? Do you want me to start at 10 and work back yep. to 6? All right. So, 10, I have War of Planet of the Apes. Um, I think it'll crack the top 10, but just barely. Um, next, this is kind of like I took a flyer on this one. I wanted to see if it could make it up there because I want it to make it up there. Uh, and number 9, I have Dunkirk. I, I like World War II movies. So, um, Number 8, I have, and this will probably end up higher, but whatever pirates of the caribbean and no i don't know the tag on the end of pirates of caribbean dead men tell no tales yes there we go <clears throat> some shanty yeah number 7 i have wonder woman i want wonder woman to be so good and number 6 this may be a stretch again but and it may not i don't know baywatch Wow. Okay. Yeah. I like, you know, I, I agree with some of those. You'll find there will I mean, be some crossovers here. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there will. Uh, yeah. Okay. So for mine, um, I found it interesting. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sequels that I put in my top 10. Because you know how Hollywood loves a good sequel. Well, not just Hollywood, American audience. Yes, they love a sequel. So what I did was is I went and found the domestic box office for seven my, those seven films to see kind of what they thought they would do. And then I'm giving you all my metrics here. And then I kind of considered it as their fall off. So my number 10 movie is kind of a dark horse, but I think there's going to be big word of mouth. It comes out during uh, the Oscar season, and that's the World War II to movie Dunkirk. I think it's going to crack hey. up into the top 10. I really think this movie is going to get legs. People are going to start watching it. Uh, so that's number 10. My number nine movie it is War for the Planet of the Apes. It did $208 million. Its first movie did, and I think it's going to crack back into the top 10, but be near the bottom somewhere. My number eight is my biggest drop off from the previous movie, and that's Cars Three. The first, the last one did 191 million, and I think the cars are coming to a crash. The first one was huge. The second one had a drop off. I think the third one's going to drop off even further, and 
it wouldn't surprise me if it slid all the way out of the top 10 because there is a bunch of kids' movies coming out this summer. Uh, my number seven is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. It looks promising, and those movies always do a ton of money. They always do $200 million plus. The last one did $241 million, and I think it will hit right there at number seven. Number six, Transformers The Last Night, only because those Transformer movies make a ton of money. The last one made $245 million domestically, and it was a big hot mess, but it doesn't seem to matter Folks come out to those movies. So that's my numbers 10 through 6. Okay. I agree with you both on Planet of the Apes. I think you had it at 9, Matt had it at 10. I have it at 10. Yep. Uh, those movies have always done really well. It's been a while since the last one. I don't know if the audiences are still engaged with the story, but I think it'll crack the top 10. Number 9, I have The Mummy. This hurt me to put on the list because I don't care for the adaptation they're doing of it. But mix in Tom Cruise and kind of the release he window is, in June. He is a bank at the box office. I, oh, yeah. And there's not a lot of straight action movies this summer. And this kind of looks, I mean, he's got a shootout in the streets of Cairo. I mean, this may fill that void. Uh, number eight, Baywatch. I wanted to get a comedy in there. I think this one is going to outperform what we may think it's going to do. And I, I may I have put it too low. Yeah. I mean, I had it at six. I know. And, so, And I don't think I'm going to like the movie. And I have it at six. Yeah. Uh, number seven, I have Wonder Woman. I wanted to put this higher, but it's the America we live in that bums me out. And I say that because I've seen people debating on Twitter, like if they're going to take their son to Wonder Woman or or even there was a Wonder Woman jacket that came out that was denim. And people were like, why would a guy ever wear a jacket like that? It was on Twitter. It was a whole debate because they were selling stuff for superheroes for both sexes. And there's just, this is Trump's America and... I don't know. I'm just worried about its box office. I think it'll be good, but there's, it won't be as accepted for some bad reasons that are out there as well, some other superhero movies. I mean, I'm not going to take my son to Wonder Woman, but my son's four years old, <laughs> right? But D- yeah. he has Wonder Woman toys, yeah. right? So absolutely. I, if he I was older, with, he would I absolutely. With, I played with I Wonder Woman him. toys when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't see what the big deal is. She's a superhero. Right. Yeah, I played with whatever toys the girls were playing with, so I could play with the girls. <laughs> Smart man, right there. <laughs> so I wanted to do better, but I hedged my bet on it, and that's why it's a little bit lower yep. in my list. Uh, and number six is Despicable Me Three. Those kids love the Minions. Um, I think Cars is going to do better than it because it's back to its roots. Cars Two was a British spy movie, and I think that was a bad choice for the audience. This looks like a racing movie again. It'll have some other themes, but I think Cars Three is going to do big, mo- big money. Okay. All right, so your top five. Top five? Top five. Here we go, man. All right, so let me go from five to one, I'm assuming. Yeah, so five, I have Spider-Man Homecoming. I want to put this higher. I think it should be higher. It probably will be higher, but I stuck it here. Um, I'm excited to see when Marvel has their hands in it, what's going to happen. But my number four... Uh, Transformers because Transformers is just the monster. It's going to do a lot. Yep. <clears throat> um, number three, I have Cars three, and I agree with Adam on this. I think uh, it's returning to its roots. It's a racing, you know, at, at least from the 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 somewhat trailer I've seen. It's um, you know, it's racing again, and I think that'll draw the audience back because that's kind of what drew in the kids the first time. Um, so I have it at number three. 
I think it'll be outdone by Despicable Me, the <laughs> Despicable Me Three, though, because the minions are awesome. Anyone with a little kid knows <laughs> that for some reason minions reach back into a, a little kid's brain and tickle something that <laughs> just no other movie can. Yep. Um, and my number one, I have Guardians of the Galaxy because that should be number one. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so for my top five, this is where we get into stretches. I really, I, I, I took some big chances here because I thought I could have just played it safe and picked what I thought, you know, well, anyway, I, my number five movie is my biggest stretch. This is coming out of left field. This could be either, you know, this could be my Lego movie or this could crash and burn and be Angry Birds. So I'm not sure, but I picked the Emoji Movie as my number five. I don't know if we're in that sweet spot. Kids are crazy about emojis now, and that's all the way they communicate and stuff. This could be a huge hit, or it could be a colossal failure. Or it could be poop emoji. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I saw the I saw the trailer and chuckled, and I thought, okay, well, you know, and then I got to thinking about it. Okay, we'll see. My number four, Spider-Man Homecoming, the sequel did, or the prequel, the one before that, yes, did $262 million. I think it's going to do well at the box office. And here we go, another big stretch. I put Wonder Woman number three. I hope you're right. And, yeah, and, and the reason I did is if Batman versus Superman can do however many, $400 million or whatever it did domestically, crazy number Wonder Woman has to be better because she was the best thing in that first movie, you know. So I'm hoping Wonder Woman is a huge hit. Um, I think it'll probably end up doing much better overseas than it does here. But I hope it's a huge hit, and I hope Adam's wrong because uh, I'm so looking forward to this movie. My number two movie is, of course, Despicable Me 3. The last one made $368 million, Despicable Me 2. The minions it was rule. only in third place, I think, that year. Yeah, and and, yeah. and the, the the minions rule, and of course, my number one. I agree with Matt totally. Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, is going to blow it out of the water. Okay, for my number five, I have Pirates. It's been a while since the last one came out. Audiences may be able to forgive it. It was the weakest entry of the whole series, and early numbers. It's two weeks out. It's tracking at ninety plus million opening, so it could hit and go. It just depends if it has legs or not. Uh, number four, I have Transformers. These things always make a ton of money. I don't think it's slowing down yet. And the trailer's crazy for this one. There's knights and, yeah, there's a lot packed in. I think kids will go for it. Spider-Man, number three. I debated putting this at number two because it's the first Marvel Spider-Man movie. You have Robert Downey Jr. It in it. It could be huge. Could be really big. Kids yeah. love Spider-Man. There's enter- there's a lot of excitement for this character. I hope it's portrayal. big. I, I hope it's yeah, I hope I lose, and you're right, Adam. Yeah. I hope it goes crazy. Cars three, I have as number two. I, I think it's Return to the Roots, as we already discussed, and I think kids are gonna be lining up for it. And the merchandise, Disney's gonna make a fortune. And like you guys, number one, I took Guardians. A lot of summer's best movie comes out in May. It's usually one of the first ones. Marvel kind of creates that, but and 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 do we know we we all just for our listening audience. 
we all submitted this before we went and saw Guardians yes. last week. Yep. So what did Guardians do the first weekend? Do we know where it's at roughly? Do you guys remember? It made over 140. Oh, There's 146, 149, so almost somewhere in there. Almost 150 million in its first weekend, which is going to put it on track if it holds at all. To be around 400, you think? 350, 400? Well, we're only going off domestic, right? Right, yeah, just only domestic. domestic. Yeah. And it's getting some competition coming up with Pirates. Uh, currently, right now, Guardians of the Galaxy is at 100. And, hold on. Let me make sure. That may be. No, domestic. It's at 175 million. That's, a, that's pretty good. It's already, <laughs> it's already beat out the Lego movie. Get out. Kong. Split. You know, it's already it's in fourth place right now. This weekend will be a big tell to see how yep. big the drop is. Yeah. Right. I will say this: that of everyone that submitted, only three people didn't take Guardians as their number one. Wow. So the three that picked others, I saw Dark Tower as number one, a bold pick. I saw Alien, Spider Man three, or Spider Man Homecoming, yeah. which is a realistic pick, and then Alien Covenant, which is a very very bold pick. <laughs> yep. Very bold. Going R-rated, R-rated. I don't know if an R-rated movie... No, an R-rated movie's probably never won this summer. I can't imagine. No. So... And and this is just so people know, like, these aren't end-of-the-year numbers. These are just of the movies coming out in summer, Well, where will they rank? When we say Guardians of the Galaxy number one, that doesn't mean it has to be number one overall for the year. Because that's going to be The Last Jedi. Yeah, and oh, yeah. it's going to be hard pressed to catch Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I mean Beauty and the Beast is already at four hundred and eighty-eight yeah. million domestic. Yeah. So one last bit: we each pick three wild cards. These are movies we think could crack the top ten. We just weren't sure. So for my wild cards, I went Annabelle creation. There's not a lot of horror movies coming out this summer. You're right, and they can catch fire. So that's my wild card. I have Captain Underpants, the first epic movie, because Captain Underpants is popular yes kids love it i don't know if parents will necessarily want to go see it but it's coming out and then valerian i think this movie's gonna tank and it's sad because allegedly the whole studio is bet on this movie europa like everything sunk in this movie so if this movie doesn't pop that studio is going under yeah so those are my wild cards all right um wild cards for me i agree captain underpants um, is in my wild card movie. Uh, my son loves Captain Underpants. Uh, and Valerian, because I want to see it do good. I, I really want to see that movie do good. Oh, me um, too. And my wild card was on Adam's list, and that would be The Mummy. I think it's... I don't think it'll crack the top 10 because it pick. has so much horror elements in it that it's going to be hard-pressed to get women out to go see it. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, but that, I think it it could. Yeah, Tom so. Cruise's bank at the box office. He, he is, but I it's mean, not like a Mission Impossible. It, I, yeah, there's there's some horror elements in there, yeah, and that may scare off. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I hear you. Well, okay, so I have one of mine's realistic, and the other two were just pipe dreams, and that is Baywatch is the realistic pick that could probably get into the top ten. And then I picked the Dark Tower because I just want it to be great. And it, I thought, wouldn't it be great if it just took off and did great? And then I picked Alien Covenant as my other one as well, too. So we'll see if a horror film or a horror film, a rated R film, cracks into the top ten. Well, you know? I mean, I think Dark Tower has a shot. I don't know how many people have read the books. and Dark Tower hasn't been rated yet. Yeah. I think it's going to be PG-13. I think and that's dude, what the they're going to And, dude, the trailer is great. I'm yeah, telling it's a good you. trailer. It's, it's real eye-catching. And so, anyway... 
Well, anyway, that's our summer movie. Pred- are we going to do weekly or biweekly updates? Or? Uh, it's going to be slow to start because nothing's going to change yeah. for a while. So, so, so we'll, maybe we'll check in every now and then. Are yeah. we having? Well, here's the bigger question. <clears throat> Excuse me. When is the cutoff? I asked the same question. <laughs> it's going to be September, and we'll know. We'll just watch if some if the gaps are what too big. What if two are super close? Yeah, then we'll wait. Okay, there's, yeah, okay. There's yeah. no firm cutoff. No, I, we'll wait until yeah. everything settles. All right. Yep. Excellent. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for movie homework. You're listening to the Film Cuttery Podcast. back it's time for our movie homework and i'm looking at the movies that were assigned this week matt watched one called freaks which i really like i've shown this at one of my movie nights a couple actually movie nights at my place so i'm kind of eager to hear what he has to think about todd browning's freaks um so roger gave me this imagine that a movie from 1932 <laughs> well, matt gives me all these crazy wild freaky weird movies and i thought what is the weirdest movie? And then I remember, I remembered this circuit, this crazy black and white circus movie with all of these people that were like crawling around on the ground and hiding. And I couldn't remember. So I called my buddy, Kevin, who does film coterie classics with me. I said, what's that movie with all of this? And he's like, freaks, 1932. And I was like, that's the one I'm going to assign Matt. So here's the deal. When this movie came out, it was pretty much panned. People were like revolted by this movie in general. Uh, they thought it was exploitive. It had problems. And this movie was before there was a rating system. Like the Hayes Code or whatever? Yeah, before the Hayes Code. Yeah. So anyone that says all oh, movies are bad and whatever has to realize that movies from the 30s have as much junk in them as today's movies before the Hays Code came out. I mean, there was some pretty racy stuff going on. They were on the verge of being like soft porn in the 30s, you know, and we're just now kind of getting back into that area <laughs> with some stuff. But, you know, there was no rating system, whatever. But anyway, I digress. Um, so essentially, the movie was Freaks. Um directed by Todd Browning and essentially the plot is because I'm not going to care about spoilers from a 32 (laughs) movie. Uh, It follows the, um, you know, the people in a circus and uh, primarily it follows the, what's considered the sideshow, the freaks, right? So whether it be little people, uh, people with oddities, um, you know, bearded woman, half man, half woman, Um, things like that, uh, people without arms, people without arms and legs. And, uh, one of the Hans, who's a little person, um, has a girlfriend, but he falls for this beautiful trapeze artist because they have normal people, essentially uh, a clown and, you know, our normal non, you know, sideshow esque but normal circus performers, and he falls in love with the trapeze artist, Cleopatra, 
And essentially, she finds out he's fitting, loaded. Fitting name for her, right? What, Cleopatra? The temptress. Yeah. Um, she finds out that he's loaded and begins to develop that relationship because he knows he has a crush on her. Oh, yeah. So Hans ends up leaving his lady, actually marrying this person, and she's poisoning him. She yeah. poisons him on their wedding night. Oh, yeah. And he discovers and kind of plays, you know, plays along. And then the freaks join up and mutilate her. On a stormy night. Yes, on a stormy night. They essentially meld her skin together and tar and permanently tar and feather her. And she ends up being uh, the duck woman or whatever that's not shown at the beginning, but discussed at the very beginning of this film. Um. So, uh, first, the first observation I have to make about this film is, uh, and, and the play off of the name is not intended, but it, it really freaked me out. And here's the reason for this. So in the movie, the main character Hans, uh, is played by one of the, what they refer to as the doll family, right? So the guy's name is Harry Earls. They were immigrants from Germany, I believe. But it was him and three of his siblings were in movies and sideshows around this time frame. And you would know him because he's one of the boys in the Lollipop Guild in The Wizard of Oz. Not boys. He's a grown man. Yeah. He's actually an older man in this movie. Yeah. 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 Um, The issue being is that... If my son was a little person, my son would look exactly like this dude. <laughs> yeah, Matt said that to dude. me today. I Googled it real quick. Dude. Because I hadn't seen... Yeah, no. It's I, freakish. It is. I hadn't seen freaks in a long time. Okay. I Googled okay. it. And I went, yes. holy crap. I, I've got, I, I'm re-watching this. I hadn't seen this movie in 20 years. I'm re-watching it, and I'm going, oh my God, that is Matt's son. Looks the mannerisms, <laughs> facial expressions, everything. Yeah, and it, I thought, oh god. Then I thought, well, maybe Matt won't. <laughs> maybe, but oh then no, I thought, no, no. It's like, it's like if my son, <laughs> if my son didn't grow up any bigger than what he is right now as a four-year-old, but yet his face aged and yes. his ears grew. Yes, right. Because I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Harry's a little person, but. You know, he's been, he's older, so his ears have grown, his nose has grown, so it's not exact, but if my son stopped growing and just aged, he would look like Harry Earl. <laughs> that is freaky. It is freaky. I, pun, pun, like freaky. Yes. So I, that I'm, was, that I, was rough I, the whole time. I, I was I just did. like, oh my gosh. I, I am, I am sorry for Why that. Why are you sorry? I think it's <laughs> great. <laughs> but it's kind of nice We've to We've thought see. about dressing him up as a lollipop guild kid. <laughs> Did I ever tell you when we were growing up, my little brother looked like Spanky from Little Rascals? No. Spitting image for a little while. Yeah. I mean, because my son, I mean, he's not a little person. I mean, he's going to be average height, but he's not, uh, you know, I drop him off at daycare and he still looks like a baby. I, I, I right. Lo- and Harry Earls has a baby face. Yeah. I own this movie now because, and, and I literally am considering showing my kids this movie <laughs> just to freak them out. I, listen, I get. I mean, it's yeah, because my son still has like a baby face. He still has his baby rolls and stuff like that. All the other kids in his class are kind of 
becoming little kids, and my son's like uh, walking around like a big baby, but he looks like Harry Earls. If you yeah, know, it is if, a little freaky. It is a little freaky, but <laughs> I digress. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked the fact that the normal people were the villains yep. and the freaks stood up for it. Um, and this which, was really progressive for the time. Oh, super progressive. I think one of the things, too, is Browning, the director, um, he was a circus performer. He was a contortionist, yeah. so he was one of the freaks. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, they're the heroes of this. Yes. Like, the whole yes. way through. The yes. whole way through. And, you know, it's it, it's great. Uh, I, I liked it. Um, I may cool. add it to my collection because it is good. The, the only ones I had issue with were the... The individuals that had like microencephalopathy, that you know, because I don't know if that they were being taken advantage. That was kind of exploitive with them. Yeah. But the rest of them, I think that's the fair. rest of them were in the movie because they wanted to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, and like Harry Earls, and I mean that's they, you know, in that era they were sideshow performers. Oh yeah. And now they got to go on the big screen, and it opened up a lot, and. I mean, and these are performers that and this, you gotta, this family, the doll family, what they refer to as the doll family, they lived together and they built a house in Florida and they had everything in the house specially made for their size and then opened it up as a museum so people could walk through and see how they so lived. Cool. So they were, I mean, they were making money oh, off yeah. of this so to say they were exploited is a bit rough. Maybe the, the, the chicks with the shrunken heads, but the rest of them like the Siamese twins. Um, I really wish, though, that so they had Prince. Oh, what's his actual name? So Prince something rather that is the guy. That's his actual name that played the guy, not played the guy, was the guy with no arms and legs. So he was born without arms right. or legs in the movie. He had, you know, he was a sideshow performer. His act was the whole cigarette. So in yeah. the movie, they have the scene of him lighting a cigarette with just his mouth, right? So we're talking match, cigarette, everything else. When I was reading, a Prince Randian is his name. That's his real name. Uh, I When I was reading about the movie after I watched it, that entire scene was was, half of it was cut. The entire scene is him rolling the cigarette then lighting it. No way. I would have loved to have oh, seen that whole scene in the movie. That would have been awesome. Because I, I mean, it's unfathomable to me how, you know, but that just goes to show the perseverance uh, yep. of humans, right? Regardless of whatever disability, they, they weren't letting it stop them. And I think that's great. And I don't know why audiences in the 30s didn't appreciate this for what it was. I think maybe because they had guilt because they were the ones that were persecuting freaks and it was just, it was too much of a shaming for them. They couldn't take it. Yep. But this is a movie that has, it's one of those that it has gotten better with age. Like a lot of older movies I find with age, they show their age and it's just not as good as when it came out. But this is one I think has increased with age. I think it's like a fine wine. So yep. I liked it. I oh, loved good. it. Good. Good. Yay, I finally gave him a movie that he liked. Awesome. Uh, who do you want to go next, Adam? I will go. I'll, okay. I'll usually jump in the middle. So Matt gave me Jug Face. 
and this is a 2013 film I had not seen. A horror movie you had not I, seen. A horror movie I had not seen, and it's got some good pedigree behind it. Lucky McKee produced. Uh, horror fans will know that name from The Woman. And this is a low-budget movie, but I'm very pleased to report it. it, it it's, I mean, the acting's really good. That's what surprised me. Because sometimes when you see this cover and you grab it from Netflix and it's the description's a little vague. I mean, it's literally a family in the woods that worships the pit. The pit. Which is a mud hole. It is a mud hole. It is literally a mud hole. It's maybe a six by six, eight foot deep mud hole that they worship and they do sacrifices into. But the acting is really solid in this. That had a good cast. Uh, Larry Fessenden, Sean Young, and having just come from Overlook, Larry Fessenden was there for Tales Beyond the Pale. And he was also in two movies I saw there. He was in Psychopaths, and he was in Like Me. So the dude's busy. He's in everything, and he's he's just a fun actor to watch. So this movie is about a rural backwoods family, kind of a cult, and they worship the pit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, there's another catch, and that there's a member, and there must always be a member like this that goes into a trance and does pottery. And he makes... Jugs. Jug face. A jug. Yes. And he's in a trance, but whoever the jug looks like must be sacrificed. To the pit. To the pit. The mud hole. So horror movies have rules. There's always rules in horror movies. And this one, the families enforce the rules. So if you were to violate the ritual and say the jug of you was made and you go and hide it, there's penalties to be paid. Yes. It happened to their ancestors, and it's happening again because the girl sees the jug that looks like her, and she hides it in the woods. Where this movie left me a little cold is there's some kind of creature running around. Yeah. yeah. And it's never really clarified what's no, happening. No, it is not. Her eyes go white, and she sees people getting murdered, but it's not very convincing. The people just go on the ground and then get covered in blood. You don't see what's happening to them. No, you do not. And Yeah, so I don't know what that was. There's some kind of creature running around. But yeah, this is an entertaining B-movie. The acting elevates it. It's an original script, and I would recommend it if you just see it. It's on Shudder? Shudder, yeah. it's on Shudder for free. So check out Jugface. Awesome. And my movie was... Let me jump in real quick. Yes, go ahead. I did not orchestrate this. All three of us watched horror movies this week. This is true. So my movie was the 2009 or 10, depending on whether you can believe IMDb or not. I'm not sure. But it was The House of the Devil. Yes. <laughs> Adam assigned me a movie called The House of the Devil. Now, I discovered when I did a little pre-reading about this movie why he assigned this, because it's directed by Ty West, who we're going to see one of his other films on Monday night. The innkeepers. So uh, I thought Adam set me up to kind of condition me for Ty West films before we go on Monday. And to be fair, you made me think of this because you sent me to watch The Ghost Walks. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, The House of the Devil. Let me just get some thoughts out of here really well. Um, I did not like this movie. Okay. Okay. And here's the reason why. And this really was a tough tough choice for me i loved the first two-thirds of this movie 
Oh no, we need to have a talk about this because I've, I've discovered this. I said I this to Matt. I loved the first two acts of this movie. Roger does not like it when a movie goes for it. And I don't... When it turned... Okay, so let me set up the story. It's freshman year of college, or maybe she just got out of high school. Young girl, and she has to find a place to live. She's broke. She needs money. She sees this ad for a babysitting job that pays really well. $400. You know, well, I don't think it was maybe four hundred dollars. No, no, it, it jumps. Yeah, it, she negotiates it to that, and it takes place in the seventies. Yeah, it takes place in the seventies. So I love the setting. The movie shot wonderfully. I mean, very well shot, beautiful movie. Um, it good pacing, good slow burn of a movie. And so this young girl, she ends up getting her girlfriend to drive her because she's got to have money to get into an apartment, get into a place to live. She drives her out to the country to where this babysitting job is. And it's this big old giant house out in the middle of nowhere. Right. She goes in, it's an older couple and they reveal to her that it's not actually a babysitting job, but that their dear mother needs some watching for the night while they go out and they'll be back before early before it gets too late, but they'll be back at some point in time. And they're dressed up nicely. They're dressed up nicely. And the mother keeps to herself there's no reason to be concerned. Really, we just want somebody else in the house, you know. And so what I liked about this, you know, she leaves and immediately it's all eerie feeling, right? It's all, um, oh, you know, big empty house all by yourself. Uh, you know, what are we going to do here? And I'm learning about horror because, you know, they always set things up. At the beginning of this movie, it shows her wearing her headphones, her ear headphones, and she's oblivious to what's going on around her. And I knew as soon as I saw that scene, I'm, we're going to get a th- call back to it later in the movie. Well, lo and behold, she does what any babysitter would do. She goes around, starts opening all the doors and the drawers and pulling out things and looking. At th- She's going through the house, checking things out. And they play a lot of drama. They play a lot of suspense. There's a couple good jump scenes and stuff that come up. Um, but it turns into noises start to happen. There's junk going on in the house. And... Yeah, it, it just and then what I didn't like about the last third was it just got super gory and you know, well with spoilers, right? I mean, I yeah. you can. There's a witch and yeah. a ritual. There's a you know, there's this whole ritual and they're gonna sacrifice. The, she wakes up and she's strapped to the satanic symbol on the floor, or whatever. You know, they're gonna sacrifice her and or she's going to become. The carrier of a, a, a vessel, a vessel, you know, the 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 the, the run of the mill deal um, that you see in a lot of these horror movies, but it just got like super. Like I didn't like that the the one dude goes over and starts talking to the sister, and I knew she was going to die from the moment he walks over, or the girlfriend, she's going to die. But it's like I saw it coming from a mile away. He's like, she says, "Okay, I'm going to leave." He turns out the gun. Boom, just blows her whole head off, you know? And I thought, okay, here's the splatter effect for a horror movie. And I, I just, and that's probably, it's probably a good movie. Do you, hear, you see what I'm saying? I don't want to run the movie down at all. It shot great, but it's not just Mike. I don't do, I don't really get into the big splatter, gory, you know? I did like the very ending when you kind of thought she was dead for sure, and then she wakes up. And she is alive, so was she the vessel? And she just don't remember. Was she not? You're left with that question, and the movie ends. 
So I really like that ending at the very end. But like the whole action, gory horror, the payoff, I guess you would call it, just it just ugh, I just was not for me. I'm sorry. No, that's you fine. Why apologize? Yeah, there's no apology. Oh. That's you never should feel bad. I know. It just wasn't for me. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. I, I <laughs> I'm wanna... gonna keep I feel bad. Why? Because I I'd like to like these, but no. Yeah. Listen. I guess maybe here's why I apologize. Because I wanted to like this movie. Two-thirds of the way in it, I thought, oh, Adam's giving me another good one. This is really well shot. I like it. And then it just kind of turned formulaic and, and splattery, and I was like, oh, okay. So it just wasn't for me. So I do want to turn to a psychiatrist at some point, get Roger on the couch, because <laughs> I need to figure out what's going on when genre movies fully go for it. It seems to turn them off, because the movies that have done that are Cabin in the Woods, third act. Yeah, Kingsman third act when they do the full oh volcano. Oh Kingsman's yeah. the most ludicrous ending to a movie I've ever seen. It's not. What do you mean they went for it? It has to be based somewhere in reality. Oh no, uh, let's th- ride a rocket up to the satellite. I mean, come on. Anyway, well, here's where. And then this. And the thing is, those third acts feel like a warm bath to me because in the genre, like Kingsman, I absolutely love that they went volcano, tons of henchmen. They turned a pulp spy novel and said yes. We're doing this because we know you wanted it, and it's it it's that they they know what they're yeah. doing, and it's yeah. just full. Here it is. Here's it everything you want. It wasn't a realistic spy movie. It was like no. that pulp that pulp spy movie. So so Tom, why, so why why do you like the Kingsman yet you don't like the other movie that we just watched that went for it and you thought it was terrible? Which one? Um, it just left me. Shoot, what, Fast and the Furious. Yeah, Fast and the Furious. How, how, you know. They go for it crazy, extreme, you know, Lamborghinis on ice, and you guys are like, that's just crazy, that's ludicrous, that's ridiculous. The the difference is Cabin in the Woods and Kingsman are playing with their genres. Okay. They know what they are, and they're having fun with it, and they're being a little smart and twisting things and then coming back and then, and then fully going for it. Because Cabin in the Woods is definitely a play on the genre. Right and, and people don't no, like. No. It. I'm not the only one. I I, I I get Cabin in the Woods as a play on the genre, yeah. and that it went like to the extreme of every kind of horror trope that's out there. You know, Fast and the Furious is never winking at the audience. They're struggling to make the audience even follow. Yeah. Like along. even Kingsman, it's like we're uh, British spy agency and we dress great and we have plain shoes versus baroque and. You know, I, I that, mean, it's we train Kingsman, in an English manner. Kingsman <laughs> makes me so angry. Oh, it makes me so angry because I loved the first two thirds of that movie. I, I thought, I, I thought this movie is going to hit it out of the park, and then it went. Then now we're going to wink at it. I, I wasn't buying any winking in the first two thirds of the movie. I thought this is this is a great throwback to the old spy movies. We're going to. This is going to be. And then I just wanted to vomit after I saw the last. I was like, they do the whole church scene and kill everybody in there. Oh, you don't like that scene either? Oh, horrible. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) This is utterly nonsense. Ridiculous. See, I thought it was winking at me the whole time. It is, yeah. I thought it was setting me up the whole time. And that's the difference. This is the difference between Triple X and Kingsman. Right. Triple X has made a straight movie they're trying to, it's for the Mountain Dew and Doritos crowd. And Kingsman knows what it is. It's playing on the genre, and it's winking at you the whole time. And then they're like, "Yeah, you bet we're gonna go for it." Boom! Volcano base, tons of henchmen, everything you ever wanted from a James Bond movie. So okay. it's just that approach that hooks me. Oh. I think. Hey, 
But look, that's why we do this, and we have different opinions. I mean, I love the fact that you hate that movie. Oh, I hate it. I, I love that. And, and I hate it because I love the first two-thirds of it. Oh, Someday I'm going to make you watch Sunshine, and you're going to think that every movie that loses it in the third act is now great because nothing can be as worse as Sunshine. Sunshine's third act. I need to have my, that's, that's what I'm saying, I need to have my bar lowered. Is that what you're saying? Well, oh. Sunshine's third act is a left turn. It's not really like it's going to... Like I said, pulling the trigger and going for oh, it. Man. It's not a pulling the trigger and going for it, but it'll make you appreciate pulling the trigger when you see what could happen in the third so act. The house of, so the house of the devil. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I loved a lot about it. I just didn't like that last third. I guess we have to sign new movies now. Well, real quick, too, yeah. just okay. a shout out for House of the Devil. I love Tom Noonan in this movie. He plays the dad. He's a very great character actor, and you're going to start seeing him in more places. Have you ever seen the movie Anomalisa? Yes. Have you seen it? Yes. He did the voice of everyone else. There's yeah, two voices in the credits. Great, that is a great movie. So that's actually, yeah, Tom Noonan did the very voice sad, of literally very... everyone else in the movie yeah. besides the main character yep. and yep. Lisa. Yep. But cool. yeah, time for new assignments. Okay, I, I'll go first since I went last here. Uh, I have Adam this week, and I'm very excited to um, give him a bi- biopic since he um, gives me horror House movies. Of the devil. I'm going to turn right around. He's going to start getting biopics from me. So... <laughs> My, my movie is a classic, of course. It's from 1949. It stars Jimmy Stewart. Um, and it's the Stratton story, the story of the pitcher Monty Stratton. And uh, I don't expect Adam to like this movie at all. I'll be surprised if he does. <laughs> but um, I love this movie, and it has some feel-good moments. I think it, you'll probably, in hindsight now, looking back at it, you may think it plays a little. It plays a little bit too much on the heartstrings at times, you know. But Hollywood did that in the '40s and '50s. They kind of went overboard. Baseball and root beer. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, that's your movie, The Stratton Story, 1949. Jimmy Stewart and June Allison, which I think is some of the be- outside of Margaret Sullivan, who I think had the absolute best chemistry with Jimmy Stewart. June Allison had the second best. They did four or five pictures together. Great chemistry. They just kind of seem to be husband and wife. You, they just you just would think they're married in real life, kind of deal. So, anyway, the Stratton story. Okay, I have Matt. The original movie I wanted to assign him, I can't find anywhere. It's not on iTunes. It's not on Amazon. There's nowhere to stream it. There's no way to even purchase a Blu-ray right now. So it's on the back burner. I will discover it when I can. So the movie I'm giving you instead is new on VOD, newish, three weeks maybe. I'm excited for you to see this. A dark song. You lucked out so hard. I know. I was trying to get it before you watched it. Because I did my best to talk my wife into watching this on Saturday night. And she said, no, I don't want to watch a movie about a demonic ritual right before I go to bed. I figured you hadn't seen it. Because I thought if you'd seen it, you would have talked to me about it. You came super close. I mean, it was... It was really close. <laughs> no movie has ever paid more attention to the ritual than this one. And I think that's the real strength of this movie is it's almost a science in the movie and it's a lot of fun. All right. A dark song. I'm pumped because I was going to watch it anyway. <clears throat> so, Roger, I always like to hit you back. You give me something. I liked it. But you gave me like a circus movie. Yep. Performer, sideshow type thing. So I wanted to give you back a movie I like dealing with that same topic, whether it's circus, sideshow kind of things. I was torn between two movies. 
One, I know you didn't like El Topo, uh, the Jodorowsky film. You did tell me ahead that I wouldn't like it. But you wanted me at least exposed to Jodorowsky. Well, I know the whole religious aspect of it, and I, yeah. I know you have interest in that way, so I want to see what you thought of it. Sure. So, um, one of the films I want to give you is a Jodorowsky film. The other one is not. Everyone that I have... It's split on other people. I've asked them what I should give you. Um, and they're split, the other film or the Jodorowsky film. Uh, and I think I'm gonna have to pull the trigger, the trigger, and go Jodorowsky film on it just because. Okay. I, I think I think it's better than El Topo. I agree. Adam agrees it is better than El Topo, uh, and it deals with circus performers, uh, and it is Santa Sangre. Did we see this together, Adam? All right, I'm looking uh, forward to uh, it. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. I think that's going to wrap it up for movie homework. When we come back, coming attractions, and we'll preview our special Monday night episode. This is the Film Coterie. We'll be right back as soon as I get to Garage Band to turn it off. have a very exciting episode coming next week it's our first episode on location i'm so pumped for this we did our technical walkthrough earlier in the week and we'll have a guest host guest host and a guest caller in so we will be at the buxton inn in granville ohio the old haunted buxton inn they are closed on mondays so we will be filming we are taking over we're, We're taking over the Buxton Inn. We'll be recording in the wine cellar. Nice. Of a haunted inn. It's been in continuous operation since 1812. And there's two ghosts, or maybe three. Yeah. I know there's a lady in blue. I think General Buxton or whoever lived there before. And then a phantom cat. So we'll keep our eyes and ears open and see if we hear anything. Nice. But in that episode, we'll be watching The Innkeepers, a Thai West film. And we'll be reviewing it. It's an older film, but I was very excited to actually watch this in a haunted inn. And we have a very special caller. Uh, if you've ever heard of the Pumpkin Pie Show, the author and lead performer for that is Clay McLeod Chapman. He will be calling in to tell us a spooky tale. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. Um, I was coordinating with him and we're getting excited about what we're going to do. I don't know what story he's telling. But he will be telling us a tale and we'll be talking about his career because he's actually a writer for Marvel Comics. Uh, He wrote a movie, The Boy, and he's got a lot of other interesting things going on we'll talk to him about. So that's next Monday. We'll put it up early. And my my co-host for the uh, TFC Classics, Kevin Brierley, will be our fourth. And then we'll have four of us on the podcast next Monday night. And uh, Kevin is uh, one of the managers there at, at the Buxton Inn. And so that's his haunt. And so um, he'll give us the background and, and tell us about the end and all that good stuff. And uh, it'd be interesting to get the four of our takes on the um, on the innkeepers. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to our caller that's calling in too. Mm-hmm. Man, we're I'm telling you, we're stepping up in the world. Yeah, 
We're getting guys on the show that write for Marvel. I'll pump my chest up. This is great. <laughs> and then we will be seeing Alien Covenant next week, but yes. we're not going to have our normal Thursday night episode. It'll be delayed. We'll get that out shortly. Yep. And this will be the first time we're also going to do a spoiler cast. We'll record a special shorter episode, probably 20, 30 minutes, yep. covering the spoilers because all the early word out about Alien is that it affects the mythos in some pretty big ways. It's a prequel. Sure. And we'll want to get into that and do the full spoiler and, cast. And maybe, you know, we can talk about this after the show, but we might just want to put the spoiler cast at the very end of the episode, you know, and just let them know. I don't know. I know yeah. I, I know most people, I know, I know podcasts that do it both ways. So, yeah. Uh, some upcoming events in Columbus. Next Saturday, the 20th, will be the world premiere of Space Babes from Outer Space. A new exploitation flick. I will be there. It's from Brian Williams and starring Ellie Church. And that's at the Gateway Film Center at 7 o'clock. Tickets are still available. I will be present. And then immediately afterwards, they have two showings of Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2 with the director, William Lustig, in attendance at the Gateway. So, yes, I think Gateway is actually personally programming for me at this point. That's a heck of a Saturday night for me. So when are you leaving the Gateway? In the wee hours of the 21st. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love Maniac Cop. So glad I get to see that with the actual director in attendance doing some Q&A and hanging out. Awesome. And also Space Babes from Outer Space. Hey, we'll there see you how go. that is. Awesome. All right. Anything else in the coming attractions? Uh, no. Just listen carefully next week for when we drop the episode. It'll be earlier than usual. Yep. We'll post about it on social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. Our website is filmcoterie.com. And we haunt Twitter with the handle at filmcoterie. You can find us a lot of those places. Awesome. All right. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time on the Film Coterie Podcast.